Lord have mercy, ladies and gentlemen, season three of Chewing the Gristle with yours truly, Gregory Stephen Cock Esquire, is at hand. We got a bunch of great guests lined up once again. We'll be talking some guitar. I'm sure we'll talk about food. I'm sure we'll talk about hilarity. That's just what's going to happen. So thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. Brought to you by our good friends at Wildwood Guitars in beautiful Louisville, Colorado, and Fishman Transducers of beautiful Andover, Massachusetts. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this week on Chewing the Gristle with yours truly, Greg Koch, we have a Shreds Master extraordinaire. You've seen him with doggone Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, and of course his own prodigious solo career. Ladies and gentlemen, John Five, we ride. Countdown to oblivion. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, yet another installment of Chewing the Gristle is upon us. The mighty John Five is at hand, a plectrum-wielding skullduggerist of the highest order. What heck of a nice fella, even though sometimes he looks like he wants to do some evil to you. That's not the case. He's a man of, of reason and benevolence. John, how the hell are you? I am well, and how are you? You know, I can't complain. Complaint is futile. You know, it's my son John's birthday today, as a matter of wow. fact. Happy birthday. He is 18 years of age, but he is your namesake. His name is also John, a powerful moniker. And I appreciate you naming him after me. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so what are you doing? What's going on? What's the latest? Uh, well, you know what? Just, you know, I'm picking and grinning and I'm I uh, just did a long tour and uh, with with my band. And then I did a bunch of shows with Rob Zombie. I am home for uh, a little while and I really am enjoying being home right now. Um, it's it's just a lot of fun. It just it seems like I get to play more guitar when I'm at home than when I'm on the road, you know, because I understand. So, as you know, there's this, that, and the other thing you have to do on the road, but you have to do this, that, and the other thing at home too. But it seems like there's a lot more, uh, you know, time to play guitar. And what I'm doing is I'm slipping, um, sleeping pills into my wife's dinner. So she falls asleep early so I can <laughs> play guitar. So it's wonderful. And I just want to, I just, you know, just so you know, that's not weird. No, our players that are married. So I'm like, oh, honey, you're sleepy at 7:30. That's okay. I'll just be right here playing guitar. Yeah, you know what? Isn't that awesome? A guitar never gets old. It's always the best thing. Yes, absolutely. You know, you wake up in the morning, you get a little coffee, you sit down and go, oh, what's this? And just a little noodle, and it just makes the world right again. It really, it's, it's so true because even since we were kids, you know, uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like our whoopee, if you will, we still get to carry our whoopee around, right? but our whoopee is a, a badass, you know, guitar. So it's wonderful, but it does, it does give you that childhood, that, that comfort, the same as a you know any kind of toy or blanket that we had when we were kids, but ours was a uh, guitar, and we still get to carry it around. It, it would be weird if I was carrying around a blanket right now, and same with you. But uh, you know, it's it's a guitar that makes us comfortable. Although I think we could pull it off. I think so. <laughs> you, you go first. <laughs> I'll start a new a new. Uh fad yeah. of being bedecked with blanketry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your background. You're, you're from Michigan. I tell, am. Tell, Gross Point, Michigan. Is that right by Detroit? Yes, tropical Michigan. And it's, it's uh, really, it, you know, I had a beautiful, beautiful upbringing. I lived in Gross Point. It was kind of like Beverly Hills or Bel Air or something like that. Really nice. We lived on the lake and I was very fortunate. And um, But I was playing these dirty, dirty clubs in uh, Detroit at such a young, young age. And 
my parents were really cool because I never drank or did drugs or anything. So they were, they said, and they trusted me for doing this. And, and I was doing it at such a young age. Um, and it was, they, they made a deal with me. They said, okay, as long as you get up for school, you can go play these, uh, these clubs. And as long as you, you know, do your homework and get up and go to school and, you know, as you know, we, these shows, sometimes they end very, 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 very late and school starts very, very, very early, but I would always get up because I knew as soon as I didn't get up, that was going to be the problem. And, um, but uh, you know, I learned a lot, uh, playing these clubs early on, what to do, what not to do and what to watch out for and things like that. So it was, it was great experience and I'm glad I did it. Did you ever run into uh, run afoul of your parents to get bad grades and they take your guitar away? Cause I certainly was a victim of such retribution. <laughs> no, because I never got good grades anyways. Excellent. <laughs> so it kind of worked out. I, I had that strategy. I was like, well, listen, if I get horrible grades, my bar is very low. And that's what I did. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> well, well, so it sounds like your parents were supportive. I mean, my, uh, my I, you know, I always say that my parents were supportive, but yet they tried to do everything they possibly could to dissuade me from being a musician as my, as my livelihood. They thought, yeah, it's, it's fine that you like this and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, they thought I was going to be, you know, destined for some kind of just, you know, horrible, downtrodden, penniless existence. And of course they were right. I'm, I mean, I'm just actually it's panned out, but I mean, so how, how are your, how are your folks in, in regard to all that? Cause it sounds like, you know, you came from a place where they probably had expectations of you being some, you know, professional, you know, whatever, doctor, lawyer, merchant chief type of thing. Model. Right. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Strutting your stuff on the walk. Olympian. Um, what else were they hoping for? You know, things like that. Uh, but, you know, they were, you know, I wasn't a bad kid and I was always respectful and I never really talked back or anything I just, at such an early age, just like you, I just was so obsessed with the guitar and I just um, was really, really into it. And I think they just wanted me to be happy in life. And so they never, you know, um, pushed me to do anything else. They, they just were like, okay, well, he's going to figure it out. And he's got a good head on his shoulders and, and which they were wrong about, but they, <laughs> They were trying to, you know, just support me as much as they could. And I, I moved to California uh, when I was just turning 18. I didn't even graduate high school. And I had an opportunity to do something in California with music. And I, I took that chance and I, I went. And they were, they were supportive. I just, you know, I got a job at uh, Penguin's frozen yogurt. And I got a job as a valet for Hollywood parties and I, um, worked and I was just a session guy, but at night, no joke. Um, I would take these cars and I would go pick up my friends, you know? So I was like, ah. amazing, like Porsche. And like, I remember, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he came and he had this Hummer and I never saw a Hummer. This is when these just first came out. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And I didn't know how to drive. It was like a tank, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, don't mess it up. And I was like, yeah. But um, I would take their cars and I would, because they were in these places for hours and I knew they weren't coming out because they were certain events and you could kind of figure out when they were all going to come out. So I would take these cars and go pick up my, my friends and tool around and, uh, you know, go down to the strip, you know, Mercedes and Porsches and all that stuff. So, you know, that was, that was the worst I got was just stealing celebrity cars. So I guess that is pretty bad. Well, I'll tell you what, that takes a, a considerable amount of, of gumption to just say, you know what? I'm going to go from Gross Point, Michigan to Los Angeles, California at age of 17 going on 18 and just say, fuck it, I'm going. 
So do you, do you think, do you, were you fearless or you, I mean, what was going through your mind? You're just like, I'm going no matter what. I mean, uh, I mean, a lot of, a lot of kids your age, including myself, probably would have been pushing cloth, you know, <laughs> going out there all by your lonesome. I was, uh, and I'm not that kind of person that's fearless. I'm very fearful. So I was like, you know, I was very, uh, alert of everything, you know? Um, and I was careful. I was very careful. I got my money stolen the first night I was here. No, no joke. And I knew one other person and I stayed there and, you know, it was fleas and everything like that. It was, uh, no bathroom and, but I'm telling you, Greg, it was the greatest, most exciting time of my life. And we would, you know, everybody tells the stories, but we lived right behind Rock and Roll Ralphs. And we were so poor, but we would get have this trash bag and pasta and and we put all the pasta in this trash bag and we put the because we didn't have a uh you know a pan or anything. So we put the macaroni and cheese and all that stuff in the bag and we would go like this in the trash bag and shake it all up and mix it all up and we'd eat it. And it was just the the best of times. You know, it really was wonderful. Um, and I'm so glad I went through that and I grew up really quick, but I still never got into the drugs. I never got into the drinking or anything like that. And but I did, I grew up really, really, really fast. And knock on wood, I never got in any trouble or anything like that. I was just so focused on playing guitar and trying to, um, you know, be focused on, on my direction of music. Well, that is, that is quite commendable because, uh, I know myself at, at that same age, I was quite the, uh, enthusiast of the imbibing as it were. And, and I remember specifically thinking that that was part of the job description. You know what I mean? There had to be this musical acumen, but then you had also had to have your, your pirate stripes. You know what I mean? You had to be able to partake and engage in, in all manner of uh, wild activities and, and pull it off, which, of course, uh, is not true. Although uh, it was fun for a period of time, as far as I can remember, but I haven't engaged in said activities for quite some time. But I would imagine that that, that was quite probably a lifesaver for you, especially at that age to not even get remotely involved in that, uh, in the mess of where was I last night or where did I wake up and all that other kind of stuff. Right. And, 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 you know, because I had older sisters that were really into drugs and it was, you know, when I was growing up, I was very young and it was the seventies and they were crazy. And I just, and my parents, you know, parents were like this, you know, like, you know, a cigarette one hand, drinking the other in the seventies. Right. But I never, I was like, Ooh, I want to, you know, I want to stay away from that because I want to be able to play music and be good at what I do. And I don't know how I thought about this even at a young age, but I was, I was really pretty, uh, pretty focused on the, uh, stay away from that. Well, good for you. It, it panned out. It worked to your benefit. It's it's getting there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should start drinking now. <laughs> There's always time to ruin your life, John. Yeah. There's well, always a cane. <laughs> Jaeger and blue. Yeah. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, you know, the Telecasters. Let's talk about Telecasters. Oh, God. Because we love them. We love them so. Love Telecasters. I, I, it's, it's, what, now what, let me ask you a question. What is the, like, what made you play a Telecaster? Well, that's an interesting question because I, um, I really wanted a strap because all of my, um, you know, I was a huge Hendrix fanatic, and uh, and the the neck pickup on a Fender guitar is what I wanted more than anything else. And uh, but at the time, my guitar teacher, I was about fifteen years old, uh, 
he was selling a 68 Telecaster. And, and um, I, you know, between what money I had saved for my ill-fated paper route and my dad pitched in a little extra simoleage so I could get this guitar. I think it was like 400 bucks back in the day or whatever. And I got this guitar, and what I realized was it's just that the ergonomics and everything about that guitar, I actually like. It, just be, it was the guitar that was available to me, not really the instrument that was what all my influences are. It turned out later on that that would be the case, that that was the guitar that, you know, all these different people that I was into was playing, were playing. Uh, but it was just the, it was the Fender guitar that was available to me. And then when I just got so used to it, I got so used to being on that neck pickup and building it up and then going to that bridge pickup and having like onboard channel switching. You know what I mean? You know, milk it on the neck pickup, go for the jugular on the bridge pickup. Do a little twanging and funking in the middle, and you're all good to go. And so that was that's really where it all started uh, for me. It wasn't like I, you know, all my idols played tellies and I wanted them. Um, it was the Fender guitar that was available. It's it's funny because my story is the complete opposite. It's I loved the Telecaster. And because, you know, I watched T-Haw and I was just like, like crazy about the Telecaster. I was like, oh, my God, I want one of those, you know, so bad. And I got a Stratocaster. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I got the cream Strat with the black pickguard with the white knobs. It was like, you know, probably a 76. And that's what I got. And I loved it, of course. I was really into it. But that's what... um, but I was waiting for that telly and I played the strap forever, uh, forever and ever and ever. And I, um, got a chance to meet Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh. And I, he was doing an autograph session and I, you know, drove to this autograph session, stood in line with my Stratocaster that I got. And, um, I met him and he's, and I remember he had this, tattoo in the center of his chest and i thought that was the most insane thing i've ever seen you know i was like i was like whoa this guy's crazy <laughs> and he wrote play with feeling stevie ray Vaughan. and and i went home and i put this like my mother was uh into art and she said okay well we'll protect the autograph with this like kind of like this shellac type of thing. And we did it and it was perfect. And we stayed and I played it. And then Van Halen was so popular. This is where the story gets really sad. So you might need to, you know, grab a tissue. (laughs) It's even hard to say. But so I took my Strat, signed by Stevie Ray. Of course, this is when he was still alive. And I traded it for for a Kramer Focus. Uh-huh. <laughs> this beautiful American-made Stratocaster signed by, signed by C.V. Ray, and I, you know, traded it for a Kramer Focus. But, you know, back in the day, 70s Strats were a dime a dozen. Stevie Ray was a young man. It probably, it probably totally made sense at the time. And still, in retrospect, knowing what things were going for, that, that makes sense. But, I, I, you know... Yeah, I still cry about it. And my wife's like, what's wrong? Why are you crying? I was like, Stevie Ray and Kramer Focus. and, and. <laughs> I've got an interesting Stevie Ray story as far as signatures and weird things that he write, wrote. So a buddy of mine from town here is one of my mentors, a keyboard player by the name of Junior Brantley. I ended up playing with, uh, ended up leaving town and playing with uh, uh, Fabulous Thunderbirds. And then while he was in the Thunderbirds, this is like in the mid, late 80s-ish and uh, Reese Winans apparently had a gig or had some kind of conflict. And so Stevie hired Junior to cover this weekend's worth of gigs, wherever it was. And wow. so my, my buddy Junior was home between tours and getting ready to do stuff. He's like, Greg, I got to play with Stevie Ray Vaughan. Do, do you have any of those records? I was like, absolutely. Uh, you, can, you can borrow the records as long as you get them signed for me, right? Oh, so, so he grabs the records to learn the parts. So he plays with Stevie Ray. He goes off and... Junior ends up moving. I don't see him for like another 15 years. I don't even know how long it was. But we did this thing about 
I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe it was. I can't remember exactly when, but it was the first time I really saw Junior. I'd forgotten all about these records. So we're doing some kind of, you know, Milwaukee homecoming blues thing, and Junior was on the gig, and Hubert Sumlin, and all these people. So we show up to do the thing, and, and there's Junior. He goes, Gregory, I've got your records. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, and, and so he hands me these records, and I swear to God, I got them right up here. It says, uh, to Greg, have a nice life, Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> Is that wild or what? Have a nice life. Have a nice life. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's just so weird. Like, like, wait, is Stevie mad at me? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, have a nice life. Yeah. <laughs> have a nice life. Oh my God, that it, what a great story! But I don't know if I'd be mad at Junior for holding those records for so long, or Stevie for having a nice life. <laughs> well, I think you know, I think that was kind of his standard, right? Or the other one, he said, "It's like have a nice life," and the other one is uh, <laughs> "love, <laughs> love life," or whatever. But the point is, is that he died. Oh my God, he's like. One of my favorites. Just like, what a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant musician. Unbelievable. Um, I just love him. And just like you, growing up, it was all Hendrix. It's, that's all that it was for me. It was just Hendrix. That's it. I loved and worshipped Jimi Hendrix. It's just like, the. I mean, we get very few geniuses in the world, not only in music, but with anything in, in science or in sports or in music. And Jimmy absolutely was uh, just, uh, in my eyes, just a complete genius. And he was so young. Right. I mean, like all this amazing music at 27, I don't even think I knew how to put on pants correctly until I was like 30. Absolutely. The front, the zipper's not in the back. You know? <laughs> I love Hendrix. Hendrix, oh my God, it was everything for me. Yes, you know, I still have, I'm always, because people are posting a bunch of stuff now, because for for the longest time, Janie Hendrix or, you know, the Hendrix estate, whatever you want to call them, the experienced Hendrix folks, they were so on top of making sure that any unsanctioned audio bits that would be on the internet would get immediately shut down. Well, they've been kind of having a little bit more loosey-goosey the last couple of years. So there's all these cool bootlegs that are online. And man, some of the stuff is, because we know with Hendrix, every show was completely, completely different. And you could tell those nights when he was on, man, it was like interstellar communication was happening. And and then there, and there's some cool things on, on the old, um, on the old Instagram. There's some weird, like, totally Hendrix fan based stuff. You're seeing all these pictures you've never seen before, but my favorite part, I don't know how you feel about this, but this is one of my favorite things. I love the fact that they're, you know, they show him going on stage through the crowd, holding his own guitar, putting one up against the Marshall. And then there's like just chords on the grounds. Like you see the mic stand. It's like ply. It's just so wild West. It's awesome to just, it was so primitive. Now, you know, we, I have a tech and my tech has a tech. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need a tech for? You know, you're the tech. Right. And he's like, well, I was like, okay. But it's, it was back then, it was so primitive. You know, it was amazing. I loved it. Indeed. Pirates of old. So let's get back to the sweet, sweet Telecaster. So when you finally got a telly, mm. what was it and where did it go from there? I got a, let's see, it was like a 70s telly, and I was probably, I don't know, like 17 or something like that, and it, it was just, it excited me so much. I was so excited about this, but it's strange because it's obviously, as you know, it's not an easy guitar to play. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's a working man's guitar and you got to work on that, you know, to play that, that guitar, but I loved it and I was obsessed with it and it just felt like home to me. And I was so excited 
And that's how I've always been. It was like, you know, when you're young, you, you see something in your mind and you're just like, and that will never go away because it's inspiration. And that's how it was for the Telecaster. And I was playing, um, I would always play a Telecaster, but I was endorsed with Ibanez. And because I just, you know, I, I got guitars and I was playing these big gigs, but I played, I would always play tellies live and in the studio, but I was endorsed with um, Ibanez and I was at the NAM show, which you're very familiar with. And I went, I was at the Ibanez booth and somebody from Fender was like, Hey, come with me, you know, come over to the Fender booth. I'm, I'm blah, 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 blah. And I said, hello, blah, 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 blah. That's a weird name, but nice to meet you and come to the Fender uh, booth. And I did. And there was my picture with all these other Fender endorsees, but I was playing my Telecaster and I wasn't even endorsed with the company. And I just was so taken aback by that. And they said, Hey, we want to do a signature model with you. And this was like a long time ago. I was like, I was in Marilyn Manson. It was a very long time ago. And I was, it was like someone said, you know, like you won the lottery or something. And I was so excited. I just, I couldn't believe that my name was going to be associated with this amazing instrument. I was like, oh, oh my God, of course, of course. And, you know, I've been with the company ever since. And this was probably, I don't know, 1998 or something like that. And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, you know, of course, incredible. And I've been playing them ever since and forever. And you've, uh, You've taken upon collecting a few of them, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, I have a terrible collective soul, and uh, and I love history. Um, and so I started collecting Telecasters and uh, tried to get one from every year and made them, you know, tried to get them as original as possible. But, you know, I don't know if it was smart or... but because I have these beautiful guitars, but I don't really play them. And I don't know if that's like the, because they're so perfect. They're just like museum pieces. And I don't know if that's the right thing to do, you know, is just to just keep them like so perfect. I record with them and, and things like that, but it's like the white glove uh, thing. It's, it's just like, they're these beautiful pieces of history and pieces of art. But I don't know if it's it's the right thing to do. So maybe I'll start picking with them. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard so, so of the of the older ones that you have, uh, are there some favorites that stand out to you? That like, yeah, I'm always finding myself going back to this one, this one, and this one. I always go to my gold Telecaster that I play, and it's like you know probably 15 years old, but I love it. It's all I play, and it's just. It's just such a, it's just a perfect guitar for me. Like, as you know, you just have this, you know, perfect guitar that you just want to be with forever. It's just like, a, you know, you, you go out with all these girls and you kind of go, hey, I like, I really like this girl. I think I'm going to keep her around. And that's how I was, how I am with my gold Telecaster Goldie, you know? Yes. So it's, and it's just, it's not an old guitar. It's probably, you know, just a, regular old telly but it was it just really is perfect for me yes and over the years have you have you i mean i know you're a marshalsman have you toyed around with different amps with your telly sound and so on and so forth or what are your thoughts in regard to that do you use different stuff i it's funny i i try to do and i think this is what you do as well but i try to keep my rig as simple as possible simple simple because i never want to be able to go and not be able to play i never want to go well i don't have my gear so i can't do this gig i want to be able to plug into anything that's around and play a show and i've always been like that i never want to depend on any rack gear or any amp or anything like that but i've always played marshall and it's very stock, nothing out of the ordinary. And um, 
I just wanted to play stock, you know, pedals. I don't even have any rack. I just have a pedals, a couple pedals, uh, Marshall and the Telecaster. And I was doing a big show. Um, and we were going from Los Angeles. No, we were going from Phoenix to Los Angeles. And we got to the show in Los Angeles and the amps were just completely fried. I mean, they were just, they got so hot and they just like were screwed. And I was, my tech and everybody was freaking out. They were like, what are we going to do? We're at, you know, uh, I think we were at Irvine Meadows and there wasn't, you know, it was late uh, after we did our sound check and stuff and guitar center was far away. And I was like, just give me any amp. Just, it doesn't matter. Give me an amp. And we were touring with, uh, with corn. And I said, Hey, can I use one of your heads? Not like two or three, just give me one. And I just plugged in and show was great, you know, and uh, having that kind of mentality is, is good because I don't want to rely on anything, um, you know, like, Oh, I got to have this or that, the other thing I've always, but yeah, Marshall has always been, uh, been it for me. This is right there is my head. So, uh, so do you like to do a situation where you set it clean and then use pedals or do you, how do you like to run it? I like to run at that, like kind of Pete Townsend dirty, you know, it's like, it's at that, it's dirty, but it's not like really dirty. It's just that cool Pete Townsend. And I always say that, um, because when you play live, I just want it to sound clean. I never want it to be like, what's he playing? You know, I just want it to have this nice crisp tone where it will project, you know, like the who was so loud, but it sounded so good, you know? And then for solos, I'll kick on a little overdrive and it will be just wonderful. And um, just, I just try to run it not too distorted when I'm playing rhythms and things like that. I can dig it. Me too, right? I can dig it all. What do you play? Like you now, you're playing your Fenders. Your well, I have a, uh, a a signature amp I did with Cock amplifiers, which is it's the same name, but we're not related. But it's no accident. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's this Dutch company, and um, is that true? It's true. Yeah, yeah. So no way. Yeah. <laughs> That's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I was at a as at the music mesa, the music mess over in Frankfurter, and uh, uh, Dolph Koch and his uh, lovely wife came up to me and they're like, "Hey, we're big fans," and you know, yada yada yada. I said, "Well, that's funny because I used one of your amps when I was in Italy, some damn place or whatever, and I loved it." And they're like, "Wouldn't it be funny if we worked together?" I was like, "Yeah." And so for that show, I, I borrowed one of their amps and I loved it. And um, so we started shooting the breeze and I said, hey, I got an idea. And so I just gave them kind of a recipe for what I thought would be a really cool amp and they knocked it out of the park. So uh, I go to my gigs with my guitar, a chord and that amp and I'm donezo. It's uh, the game. The, the clean sound is magnifico. The lead sound is great. There's like a boost thing on it that totally works. And then it's got harmonic vibrato on board. The the uh, the reverb is killer. So it's been great. And then they're like, well, you know, we have the same last name. What should we call the amp? And I said, the Greg. So it's the Greg. That is the greatest story ever. I love that. Oh, that's so cool. That is really, really cool. What a great story. What Now, what do you think about those fractals or the what's the other one um uh the german one the uh there's the fractals there's the uh oh what is it the kempers and all that stuff Kemper. thank you thank you thank you what do you think because uh, they um i hear they're great but i am so like i just don't really know how to use that stuff and they sh you know i'm I, it scares me a little bit uh, you know, I, I know people that use them and they sure sound great for them. And, um, I don't have anything against that type of technology per se. Um, you know, I, I guess the last time I heard it, my buddy Johnny A was using, uh, he was like using, I think it was a K 
Kemper. Yeah, but the floor, maybe the floor version of the Kemper. And, you know, just nice reverb delay type of thing. I, the only thing I find is if I'm really being picky about that stuff is that it just misses, misses the kind of, you know, the, the real 3D sparkle on the high end. But maybe that's my ears after years of being destroyed. That I'm <laughs> but, but they sound really good. And, and you could do all that stuff where, you know, there's so many situations where people are playing where they can't make any noise on stage because of, you know, everyone's got in-ears. They want no volume from the stage. And totally makes sense for that. Or they're able to kind of do the stuff where they program everything that's, you know, that's on the grid. So it's automatically changing sounds for different parts of the song. That's way more than I need. So I do. It's, it's, that's what terrifies, terrifies me. And I I guess like, I don't know. I guess I'm pretty old school because I don't even use in-ears. I just like monitors. I just like to feel that the air from the cabinets. Yes. You know, I think that's what it is. That's what excites me as well. Right. And I have my, even this last tour, I was like, you know, the guitar doesn't sound and I'm not very picky. I'm like, if I can hear myself, great. But I'm not super picky. But I was like, you know, the guitar doesn't sound um, like how I want it to because it's coming out of these monitors. And my cabinet was kind of behind these like big TV screens. And my tech was like, um, wouldn't that be funny if I said my text, text, suggestion? <laughs> my tech said, well, why don't we just raise your cabinet so it'll be pointed right at your melon? And I was like, yeah, I mean, such a simple thing. And it sounded perfect. And I'm just so old school that way. I just got to hear my cabinet and feel that air and everything like that. I'm with, I'm with you. I love it. it. There's nothing better than that, you know? I agree. Yes. The moving air is the thing. You know, and luckily, you know, you're in a situation where you can do that. I'm in a situation where I'm doing my thing. I can do that as well. There's I think there's a lot of individuals that play uh, with other individuals that perhaps that kind of onstage volume is verboten. But, hey, that's their thing, John. They can deal with that. That's right. Damn it. (laughs) We interrupt this regularly scheduled gristle infested conversation. To give a special shout out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Koch Signature Fluence Gristle Tone Pickup Set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. So the various iterations of your Fender Signature model, what's what is the one that's the, the most current or have, when was the last time you, you, you tweaked it? Cause I know you've done a few different ones. Well, I have, you know, I always wanted to have a, a guitar that the kids can afford because I want to keep this guitar thing going. And it's scary because, you know, what if this is, I, I just always want to keep the guitar going and going and going and try to inspire some kids just like, you know, you've inspired tons. And I just want to inspire some people to keep playing guitar. So Fender made these guitars and I wanted to do a Squire version so kids could afford them. And I have a black one with the chrome pickguard. Now I have a chrome, uh, gold with the chrome pickguard with the gold, you know, pickguard. And they sold so well. And it made me so happy because these kids are playing guitar, you know, and it's affordable. It's affordable. It's like a really expensive dinner or something, the cost of these guitars. And it just was wonderful. And now Fender is, this is really cool. So Fender is coming out with this ghost. It's called the Ghost Telecaster. It's all white. The neck is white. Everything is white on it. It's really cool. And there's red binding around it. And everything is white. The pickups are red to match the the outline of the Telecaster. But even the fretboard is this beautiful, beautiful white. And that's going to be coming out next year. And the 
The case is all white and the inside is red. It's really, really beautiful. It's called the ghost. And, uh, and that's going to be coming out soon. Um, and I used the guitar in my new video. I have a record coming out October 29th and I have a new video out called K Pasa that I'm using the guitar and it's super exciting. It's something like what they've, they've never done something like this before. So, um, that's going to be coming out soon. And, uh, it's really, it plays great and it sounds great. And there's, there's not even, um, dots in the neck. It's just completely just white, just white. But we do have the, you know, of course the, the fret markers and stuff on the, right. You know, on the side, because I would, that would be really difficult. You know, yeah, that'd be scary. That would be scary. Here you go. <laughs> Damn, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, yeah, it's uh, it's really, really fun. And people... That would be another frightening aspect of the ghost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the color, you know, the name will scare you, but so will the fretboard. Exactly. <laughs> frightening indeed. You, It'll tap your soul. Have you seen those um, guitars with the frets that are like, curved and stuff like that yes i have there's the uh the curve but they're all the true temperament wasn't that the company from like i think they're in sweden or something like that where they do the where they're all kind of yeah why, it's crazy that i never really understood what that is uh it's to make the, i think that because you know technically no guitar is intonated perfectly so with this way of doing it, it's like perfectly in tune and uh hmm. from what i understand I, you know I, I i didn't go so far as to uh uh, to go because uh, I was talking to the guy one time and apparently Steve Vai got a couple of guitars with that on it and some other folks and then of course the fan frets that's a whole other thing uh but hey you know what I'm 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 pretty old school in that regard too I don't I wouldn't know what to do with such savagery I wonder if that feel it has to feel different right yeah you would you would imagine yeah, yeah. I, I I played one of the ones with the true temperament and you know, I don't really recall being that knocked out one way or the other. Like, oh, this is this is pivotal. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, I, okay. But I'll tell you what: when you're looking down at it and it's all swervy, you feel like you're tripping. So, yeah, there's that. Maybe I should put those crazy frets on the white neck. <laughs> there you go. Add another aspect of difficult supernatural yeah. <laughs> supernatural activity. Oh, it's great. Well, I am curious about when you're out in California, you're a young lad, you start working with some folks, and now your first real huge gig, though, was with David Lee Roth. Am I right? Is that Was that like the first time where you were like, this is getting to the point now where I'm, you know, big time? I think the very first professional gig was Katie Lang. Okay. And it was like... You know, we had a private jet a couple times and we had, you know, a couple nights at Radio City Music Hall and we had a chef and uh, a masseuse. And well, that's big time. That all sounds big time to me. And, yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. So it was, you know, Madonna was backstage and Peter Gabriel and all these like people and I was like, whoa, this is, you know, this is pretty cool. I, I could get used to this. And then when I joined like other bands, I, yeah, I was like with Halford and Roth and all that stuff. And I was like, what? you don't have a masseuse? <laughs> like, What's going on? like, where's the masseuse? This is bullshit. Macaroni and cheese in a garbage bag. That's what I want. That's what I require. Like this. Hey, so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So were you were you at Rob Halford with uh, with Ray Riandow? I was. Yeah. Oh, good old Ray. Bless his heart. Yeah, he he is a, a wonderful, wonderful musician, and uh, yeah, I was with Halford. And Trent Reznor produced our record, and it was it was wonderful. It was uh, 
it was a great time. And while I was with Halford, I was also playing with David Lee Roth. So it was like, we would split the time and it was, uh, it was, uh, crazy because I was like, Whoa, what's happening? You know, I, I like it all was just coming at me quick, you know, and it was very right, right, exciting. Right. And, and, you know, cause Roth was my hero, you know, with Van Halen and all that stuff, just like, you know, it was like, oh my God, this is crazy. This is insane. Cause I never, you know, thought that anybody would ever even know my name. I just wanted to be a session guy. And, and, uh, it was just like the old saying, it was just happening all so fast. And then I got a call from the Marilyn Manson camp and started doing that. And, uh, still no chef or no masseuse on that, but you know, it was okay. I guess I said, I guess I could do this, you know. Right on. So when did you start finding your, your look and the way you present yourself and so on, all that kind of stuff? Were you all, was that always part of your thing or did that come as a result of the Marilyn Manson thing or how did that all develop? It's funny being in gross point. I, I always, you know, I loved kiss and all that stuff. So I was always dressing up and all that stuff even when I was playing these uh, shows in the clubs, but how we talked about the clubs in the early part of the interview, there was this band um, from Detroit and they were called Vampirilla, which is a very cool heavy metal name, but they all had long black hair down to their waist and they were like 26. So I was like, Whoa, these are like old dudes. You know, this is crazy. And I auditioned for them and I knew all the songs and I could play perfectly, but I, I, I was like 15. I was so young. I was like nothing, you know, and I had this short haircut and I wore like polo and Brooks brothers and, um, they put, they would put a wig on me, a black haired <laughs> wig down to my waist and I would play, you know, all this stuff. And I was really little, but it was, it worked and people bought it. You know, they just, they didn't know. I just went to this like, prep school and stuff like that. So I was always kind of into that, you know, look and getting dressed up even before any of this happened, you know, <laughs> but it got it. There's funny pictures of me with this long black hair, you know? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So then when you got to California, it just kind of continued from there and yeah, you just kind of started doing sessions and I would do them for, next to nothing. Like I would, I would, um, play these sessions for like, you know, less than half of what everybody else was charging. And I would get done really quick. And I just was so focused and I was concentrating, just tried to never mess up. And I was reading music and all this stuff. So everybody started using me cause I was so inexpensive they were like this kid will come and play for like you know a sandwich and a couple bucks and i was just playing on everything you know on on tv shows baywatch and you know entertainment tonight and the jay leno show and records and all this stuff and it just was like going like that all the time and it was because i was doing it quick and i was doing it cheap and it was uh it was a wonderful, wonderful learning experience. Absolutely. <clears throat> what kind of stuff were you learning? Just obviously, you're out there and you're just kind of learning on the fly. But were you were you checking out different players when you were out there? Are you adding stuff to your your uh, quiver, if you will, of liquoring? Absolutely. Oh my god! I that's the thing that I love. I love to learn. I'm always learning. I try to learn something new every couple of days. And, you know, just like you, you know, like when you learn something, you're like, oh, that's really cool. I love that, that thing. But then you can forget it if you're not playing it all the time. So I try, whatever I learn, I try to put it into a song. So I, I do the same thing. I, I understand completely. Yeah. And so I like, will play it and I'll never forget it. Cause I'm always, if I learn some really cool guitar techniques, I'll be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll put it in one of my instrumental songs and I'll play it all the time. 
But yeah, even back then, I'm like a sponge. I was like looking at everybody, listening to all these session guys and listening, looking at what they did. And I would ask, I'm not the kind of guitar player that is just like looks and like doesn't pay attention. I'll ask and I'll be like, oh, cool. How are you doing that? Or how are you doing this? And all that stuff, you know? Same thing with you. I'll watch your stuff. I've gone to many of your performances and I've taken a plethora of your licks. Well, you son of a bitch! <laughs> I'm flattered. <laughs> yeah, just like anybody, you know, that's what I do. It's it's great. It's great. Well, I'll tell you what, your your Instagram game is uh, quite entertaining. Not only is the playing frightening, but often you add a level of performance art to it that I find absolutely delightful. So I recommend to everyone to go to your Instagram page and feast upon the magical activities of one Johan Singo. I try to take the internet and use it for good. And, yes! and hopefully just like you do, like inspire some kids that are flipping through and, you know, and go, Whoa, this is really cool. Or this is, this is a lot of fun and just make it fun. And, you know, instead of something, you know, just posting, that's maybe not a positive thing, or I just try to make it fun and positive and hopefully inspirational, just like, I follow you and I'm like, God, that's awesome. Or this is great. Or that sounds great. Or look at what he's doing. And, and I think that's the best way to use the Instagram or YouTube or anything is for, uh, you know, something educational. Right. I concur heartily. And there's so much to learn on the doggone inner Google. Yeah. You can find new stuff every diggity doggone day to inspire and defile your brain. what? You'll never stop <laughs> learning. That's and that's the thing. It's like it's like a like you know, kids could have these video games and they could, you know, master the game, but we'll never be able to learn everything. It's impossible. Not even if we live to be, you know, five hundred years old. There's always something more to learn. That's a fact. Well, let me ask you this. We're talking about uh, a lot of times on these um, chats, we talk about what the last year or so has been like for you in terms of not being able to travel because of COVID-19 and wondering what you were doing uh, during your COVID sabbatical. I see everyone's kind of doing it. You just mentioned you were on, on the road for a while, but now things seem to be getting weird again. Just wondering how you've dealt with it and uh, and all that other kind of stuff, your, your impressions, if you will. <clears throat> so, you know, it was terrifying of course i'm not the guy that's fearless or anything like that i was i was probably hiding under my bed for about eight months you know and uh is it over yet is it over yet right i was but no seriously i would was like well i'm i always make a new record and i was making this new record and writing this record and i had a lot of time on my hands obviously just like we all did and I was listening to this radio station on Sirius XM called 40s Junction. And it's all 40s music, obviously. And it was, I was listening to this amazing music. And sometimes, half of the time, it's instrumentals. And, you know, the other time, it was singers. But everybody was in the same room when they were recording this. Everyone in the same room. And they were all live performances. And I just thought that was so interesting that every song I was listening to was a live performance. So what I did is I would have a song ready for the studio and Greg, I would practice it and practice it and practice it. Like you have no idea. Like it just like hours and hours and hours every day. And I went into the studio and I played everything as a performance. Like if there was a little, squeak or if there was the note didn't come out perfectly i would start right at the beginning and play it from start to finish no overdubs i mean no no uh punch-ins or anything and that's what really kept my brain moving and that's how i did this whole new record which comes out uh october 29th yes it's called sinner and 
like when you listen to this, there's it's a performance. Everything is a performance. And we did like How High the Moon, uh, Les Paul, Mary Ford. We did, right. uh, you know, Georgia. And we did all these other like really cool songs. And then there's a bunch of crazy heavy stuff on, on that. But it was such a challenge because it was just like, boom, boom, from beginning to end. And that's how I spent most of my time and really perfected that. And I would imagine myself like it was the 40s. And it's like, just imagine if you're in this orchestra of people and one guy keeps messing up. You're like, oh, geez, we got to keep, you know, we got to go back to the top or something like that. Those guys, right. think about that. Those guys had to be on their game. Yeah, every, exactly. All the time. All yeah. the time. There was like no room for, you know, like, oh, I'm tired or I'm hungover or flatulence or anything like that. It, right. You had to do this. And that's how it was. And that, that's how I. Well, that sounds that sounds really cool. That sounds like a most worthwhile project. Yeah. How did you spend your uh, quarantine, if you will? Well, I, I was fortunate from a. Um, from a uh, um, business point of view that uh, the folks from Wildwood where I would go out and record those guitar videos every month, I'd go out there for four days, uh, do my thing and then go back. And, you know, I do between 25 and 30 guitar videos a day out there. So all of a sudden now I'm not going out there. So they're like, well, we'll send you guitars. And if you could do a few live streams a week and maybe some extra material and, and also the, this uh, podcast is one of those things. I mean, it's just a, a way to kind of spend some time talking with fine folks such as yourself and, and, um, and Wildwood kind of, you know, and Fishman are, you know, they're, they're sponsors in the fact that they're, you know, paying for my time anyway of, 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 of doing it. So it was just the idea of coming up with a bunch of different things uh, that would make things interesting for folks. So I would do two live streams a week for uh, Wildwood. And then uh, I did two for Fishman every week. And those I would do with my son. So my son plays drums. And we would do our little kind of duo every Monday and Friday. And those were just pretty much just planned. Whatever. Of course, I got my pickups with, with Fishman. But we just pretty much play and talk a little bit about what we're using. But we just kind of jam. And then every other weekend, we would do uh, – my organ player would come down from Minneapolis. And we would do this. So I, I did between four and five live streams a week, really starting uh, since the beginning of March, right? Does that sound right? No, no, I think it was the last week in March in 2020 we started. And it's been going nonstop. And there's been, obviously, with some traveling, I've been disrupting that a little bit. But usually we record them. But, and it started off just very, because I'm not a big, you know, technically astute individual as far as studio stuff and so on and so forth. So, you know, we started off very basic. But within within a couple of months, we had everything wired up and we were doing, you know, our, our, our you know, camera switching and, and all the audio is up a, is up a pretty high level. So it's been fun. That's been a way for us to, you know, keep things going on. I put our record with the trio and we got another record kind of in the can. And, um, and so it's been good. I, I cannot complain. And just to your point of being able to just, you know, you wake up and you get to play guitar in your own house and not have to worry about starving because you got these, these avenues, you know what I mean? Sure. It's been pretty fa- pretty fantastic. I mean, we are very fortunate. We're very lucky to be doing what we do, and um, especially in this downtime, because it was really, really, really difficult for a lot of people, and it was terrifying, you know, because nobody really knew what was going on, and we we kind of know a little bit now, but you know, we still kind of don't know what's going on or what's going, on. so. You know, we just keep on picking and we just keep on grinning and and keep on doing it, you know, and hope for the best. That is it. That is it in a nutshell. Yeah, it's getting a little bit weird again. We did. We just canceled our we had a European tour with the with the band that we're going to go on for a couple, three weeks. And I just ended up having to cancel it because, you know, I I haven't had COVID. Of course, we're all you know, all the guys in the band are, are vaxxed and whatnot, but it's just the idea of, you know, being stuck over in Europe someplace and someone getting sick and then not being able to go anywhere for like twelve days. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're in a hotel room, what are you gonna do? You have to stay here on your own dime. So we just canceled it and they're just kind of erring on the side of caution. But uh 
Yeah, strange times, man. Very, very strange. Very strange times. Here's here's something that happened that was very odd. I rarely, rarely, rarely get sick, but in 2019, like late summer of 2019, I was on the road and I got this horrible. Now, when I say horrible, it was like, this can't be right. I got this awful cough and it was like, I couldn't even breathe. I couldn't even walk up a flight of stairs. And I was on the road. I had full blown, like the worst pneumonia you could ever imagine. And I would play these shows. I never canceled, you know? And it's still like, I just took a deep breath because it, it was messed with me so much because it was, it was the most terrifying thing ever. And my wife's friend had at the same time I did too. And I was like, Oh, are you still sick? And we were sick for like months. Okay. And, you know, got over it. And, you know, the cough lingered for, I don't know, three months, four months after that. But I'm thinking like, cause I haven't had COVID either. I got vaccinated, but I'm thinking, and when I took the vaccine, I had no reaction to it. I was totally, yeah, same here. Yeah. I was like, Oh, good. You know, but I wonder, and I'm no doctor, just Dr. Love, but I, <laughs> so I'm just wondering if maybe that was it. Who knows? You know, because I've watched all these documentaries and they said, oh, yeah, this has been around for a little while. So who knows? You know, but yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely bizarre. My, my sister had something in in like March of 2020 or February of 2020 that sh- that, you know, she thought for sure she had it. She's a healthcare worker. And then, uh, you know, months went by and then she got, um, you know, took the antibody test, but those weren't exactly you know, irrefutable. And they didn't say that she had it, but she's convinced that she did. But then she gets vaxxed, you know, months go by and she, middle of August, she got it. She thought she was going to die. She's pneumonia, the whole nine yards. And then when she got it for real and was diagnosed for, for certain that it was it, she was convinced she had it before. And uh, so that's that's some scary stuff. But my son, when we were out at Nam in January of 2020, he got sick as a dog. He was he was down for like 10 days, and it started off with like this horrific cold, and and then it was like coming out both ends. Not to give anybody visuals they don't want, but it was he was really really sick, and and we thought well maybe he had it, and so who knows? Yeah, to, to your point, I mean it's just it's just really bizarre. It's hard to kind of get a a grasp on everything. And then some people barely get it. Some people get totally sick. Some people have, yeah, it's crazy. You just gotta, all we can do is just keep on keeping on. It's just so terrifying because what we do for a living is people. Yes, exactly. On people. And it's, boy, it is tough. You know, it's scary because you just don't know, but you know what I've heard, and hopefully this is true. They say by the by twenty twenty three, it will be completely gone because by that time, enough people will have had it, and enough people will have been vaccinated. So it just all comes together. So hopefully, I'm keeping my eyes, fingers, toes, arms, legs crossed. Yes, 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 yes. Well, on that happy note, just. One more thing before I let you go, you know, I oh, I, I felt I didn't that, even know if we were still going. I thought I thought I thought we were just going to start doing it right now. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I felt victim to this the other day. You know, I always wanted a Paisley Telly, and and this is a um, this is a custom shop. It was it was in a it was I found this locally, and uh, man, I'll tell you what, it reminds me because it's of oh, '68. That it reminds me of that old telly I had back in the day. So I was just curious if you have a real old '68 Paisley telly. The reason why I don't is because they would always peel. Oh, and I just, it would be crazy! I wanted everything in such nice condition, and they would always peel because it's wallpaper down there. You know, it was right. And it would just always kind of lift. And I was like, hmm. So I never really got one. But I love the custom colors and all that stuff. And and the blue floral one. 
you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So great. But no, I never got one because I could never find one that was. That was really clean. clean. Really, really clean. Gotcha. Wild. Guitars, they'll get you. Doggone it. Yeah, they'll get you. They will get you. That's for sure. And they got us. They certainly did and continue. Yeah. And continue their onslaught upon our souls and hearts and minds. I got a, I got a fever and the name is Fender. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, listen, my friend, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. And uh, always good to see you and hear you. And hopefully we'll get together in person one of these days when the pestilence has passed. I would love that. And thanks for having me. My pleasure, my friend. Take it easy, John. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Chewing the Gristle. We certainly do appreciate it. On behalf of Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, and our friends at Fishman Transducers, we say, don't be a stranger now. Keep on coming back. We're going to keep on giving her. <laughs>